Welcome to Footnotes of History, the podcast that's practically a work of art. With you as always are myself, Tim Philpott, and the muse for today, Daniel Nesbitt. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. That's a, a high honour. Indeed. High honour. Especially but, as you're the focus... Well, you, I mean, I misspoke because you're not really the muse for today, are you? No, no. The muse for today is Lizzie Siddall, who Indeed. was a pre-Raphaelite, probably the preeminent pre-Raphaelite muse, yeah. and also became a painter later on, but yeah. a poet as well, and married to... Dante Gabriel Rossetti, one of yeah. the most famous of the pre-Raphaelites. I would actually say, essentially, she is almost more famous than the pre-Raphaelites because of her because of her story and because she is depicted in so many of their paintings. Mm. Well, she's probably the image that everyone thinks yes. of when you say yeah. pre-Raphaelite, even if you don't know it's her. Yeah, you're probably thinking of her when you think of pre-Raphaelites. Yes, I reckon. Anyway, but yeah, so I think it should be an interesting one. It's quite an interesting life story. Yeah, um, we'll give you basically in this episode, we're going to give you a bit of a background of her early life. We're going to move on to her time as a model. Yeah, then talk a little bit about her marriage to Rossetti. Um, her time as an artist and then her sort of final illness and death effectively so the full scope yeah indeed everything Everything. under one roof Um, (laughs) under one uh, broadcast but the um, I was going to say have you got any summary comments to make at the start because my summary comment is uh, it's kind of it's kind of horrific actually Mm. I don't feel like um, it's definitely it it gets really dark very quickly it gets very dark she didn't have a hugely happy life I think it's Mm. fair to say Um, but I think it's an interesting one I think it's one that also shows quite a lot about sort of women's place in the time and also sort of what it took to be an artist at the time as well Um, so I think it it shines light on bits and pieces of sort of life at the time though yeah certainly Um, I was going to say as well because she died quite young well I say she died young I mean for the the period she's still I suppose on average I don't know what she's 32 31 that you should probably do that. No, it's the three. The three. Yeah, yeah, it's the three. Um, but, um, which is, I think, you know, on average would be sort of 10 years yeah. short of where you would get to on mm. average, oh, yeah, on average, depending on how wealthy you are, et cetera, et cetera. But, so, um, yeah, and, and, and even, even, even the end years of that were not particularly happy. But anyway, yeah, let's, should, should we, should we dive straight in and see where she came from? Well, I think we we'll start, going we're going to go yeah. to, we'll start, we'll just give a little bit on the pre flights themselves. Yeah. Because they're always a, a group that, I never really know where to start with, to be yeah, honest, in terms yeah. of what they stood for, who they were, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick potted history of that. I think, to be honest, first. I don't think, um, <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I don't think they did. And, do you know what I mean? Because they no, became sort true. of popped up out of, any, uh, out of nowhere. Yep. This is quite an art-heavy episode. It is, and that's why we like it. This is one of your favourite ones. Yeah. Okay. So basically, pre-Raphaelites um, began with seven artists, yep. seven young artists, um, who banded together against what they saw as kind of like the teachings of the Royal Academy and the established art well yeah. at the time so they're all relative not hugely well off but they were well enough off to have been taught in good art schools yeah and basically they reacted against what they saw as kind of like a malaise in art at the time so they didn't like the fact that a lot of the color palettes at the time were very sort of brown beige yeah. Yeah. not very colorful they didn't like the fact that everything seemed to stem from Raphael, yeah. uh, who was all about kind of poise pose mannerisms that type of thing above what they saw as ideas and sort of truth in art yeah. kind of way so they were reacting against that kind of like almost like a what they saw as quite a stodgy way of doing art yeah. and so they were wanting to get back pre-Raphael yeah. and pre-Raphaelites get back to sort of higher medieval high renaissance times um, which... yeah uh, I'm, uh, yeah they were very keen on that weren't they but um, I was going to say is the, am, I, am I going in the wrong direction if I say there is a parallel slightly here between these artists uh, the pre-Raphaelites and the impressionists in the sense mm. that they are well, first of all, they're reacting to the uh, sort of establishment idea of what art should be at the time. Yep. But also, secondly, in the sense that they're almost fighting against the exact same 
what this what the establishment thinks art should be mm-hmm. is almost like the same in both periods. Yeah, roughly what they react against I think is quite, is quite similar in that. Yeah, I think you know, a bib- is it's about sort of biblical scenes and like all this kind yeah. of, like, I mean, kind of the staged things. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the important difference is though that the yeah the pre-Raphaelites still kind of liked those big yes. history scenes and yep. those big things. They drew a lot from that. That that's the big difference, really. The the pre-Raphaelites also liked painting out in the fresh air, drawing from nature, which the Impressionists did. Yeah. But I think you're on the right lines that they were basically, again, similar to Impressionists, they were looking for this new type of art yeah. at the time. And for a back to basics. Basically, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> as I said, yeah, basically they they were so kind of like seven group, seven members of this group, yeah. the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, the core group. They were all aged between 19 and 23. So you had five artists, Rossetti himself, William Holman Hunt, John Everett Millet, James Collinson, Frederick George Stevens, yeah. a sculptor called Thomas Woolner, yeah. and then Rossetti's brother, William, who yeah. was a writer, and he was basically, he wasn't, he was allowed into the group because he had his big opinions about art, and him and Rossetti yeah. liked talking about them, and you know, he was quite good to have around, he did, did his write-ups of their stuff yeah. as well, but he wouldn't do much painting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, would you say Rossetti was the ringleader? I think he, him and he's one of the key ones you think of. I mean, yeah. they all, all seven, they all had, okay. this was like the core group, the Brotherhood, right. as they called yeah, themselves. Yeah. No, they, they started off as a secret society as well. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And basically they were the ones who kind of drew up with it. They also had various sort of people orbiting them as well who were in groups but these were the core seven with yeah. those people who really they, they were the, they were the ones who were that sort of started it and set it up but mm-hmm. but what what led do you know what led them to set it up what, what was yeah i think spark? it was it was a it was a general sense of dissatisfaction with what they've been taught how they've been taught yeah and they felt that there wasn't enough room for them to express themselves yeah. individually i think so it was about that really duh sort of palette a brown palette they sort of sort of yeah. saw they wanted yeah. bright colors like sort of your medieval paintings yeah they wanted to be able to express kind of they wanted i saw one thing written down about how they were looking for ideas to be the main bit of art rather than the execution yeah yeah, so whereas in sort of how they've been taught and how the establishments were at the moment it was execution over ideas so it was mainly about getting that perfect figure in there yeah making sure it's like poised the right way and stuff whereas they wanted to actually show the feelings coming through so why something's set there so so what it means to them yeah the idea before yeah. the execution itself yeah i was going to say do you think maybe that do you think this is another another hypothesis which i'm mm-hmm. putting towards you um there is a a more a wider sense that philosophically they they feel a reaction against the 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 well society i suppose over the time is i mean I, I feel like it's not really a coincidence that they popped up in 1848 mm. for yeah. instance um and also they they, they sort of have this quite romantic kind of view of <clears throat> I mean they're, they're, when you say they're, they're constantly pen- painting medieval scenes yes. and things like this it's almost as you might say from um, from what you would label under the same heading as romantic sort of a pre-industrial revolution type mm-hmm. idea of what they thought as of as sort of organic society or the good in the world or whatever yeah I think there's definitely an element of sort of yeah. youthful rebellion in it because yeah. they are as I said they're all in there either just before 20 or very early 20s, they're yeah. very young, they will have this like idea that they want to do something, I think, yeah. and then, yeah. I think that definitely feeds into Change it. the world. Change the world, basically, yeah, definitely. And I think also, as you pointed out, 1848, three of them were actually at the Chartered Rally in 1848. Oh, really? Seeing yeah, as here, William Rossetti, Millet and Holman Hunt were all present at the... Well, no, this is Brother Rossetti. Oh, well, yeah, probably, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure where the other Rossetti was at the okay. time, but they were all there following around. With someone, someone. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, I, I yeah. get the impression also, there are also a bit of a bunch of hippies, do you know what I mean? Like They're sort of like really early hippies. Well, kind of. I think they <laughs> maybe that's a bit of a yeah. sweeping statement. I think they probably like the kind of creature comes a bit too much to be hippies. Okay, right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like their alcohol and stuff. Are they the ones they remind me of most 
are the Bloomsbury group, like a proto Bloomsbury oh, group. Yeah, so they're yeah. a, a really talented group of young people. The dreadnought hoax. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> a really talented group of young people who you know come together and kind of spark off each other. Yeah, sleep with each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, generally cause Keep cause scandal and stuff amongst themselves. Yeah. and sort of are a bit of a, like everyone's kind of a bit like, what are you doing? But also there's a whole section of society like, oh, we kind of want to be like them too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that's they're ones I have. Yeah, no, it's like yeah, an early Queen's yeah. group type thing. Um, but yeah, so just as you pointed out, where did, yeah, where does? Oh, sorry, go on. No, it's just they're going to round off with the yeah. one element. Oh, the last element is you mentioned histories as yeah. being quite important to draw them from. Yeah. Um, Rossetti and Holman Hunt outlined a list of what they called immortals as their heroes, which is where mm. a lot of their art was drawn from, sort right. of inspiration wise. So at the top of the list, they put Jesus. So they were very heavy on religious themes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Anything. Also, historic authors like authors like Homer and Dante, Rossetti's. Yeah. Uh, namesake yeah of course yeah, and yeah, then yeah. also recent authors like the romantic poets as yeah. you mentioned also people like Tennyson and Thackeray as well yeah. and then also very heavily into Arthurian myths and Shakespeare uh, so I think that comes quite through in their yeah in their in their sort of output you yeah know, those are the subjects they were aiming for all the time yeah um I think that's probably enough about them for now yeah well I was gonna say where where does Elizabeth Siddle come into well yeah this is it so Elizabeth Siddle she came from kind of a working class background yeah a background that wasn't hugely well off i think largely well not largely because but also kind of heavily because her family got involved in embroiled in the sort of test of the d'urbervilles kind of um sort of saga where they thought particularly the father thought that they were owed and had a claim on this land which all <laughs> this family this business called the cross daggers or hope hall as it was called at the time which is yeah. basically a coaching inn surrounded by about 70 uh acres of land that right. he was strongly felt it was his and his by right and so poured a lot of the family money into actually litigating for this right. to try and get it back in the end they never did right well, on what grounds because some family i don't know it was, it, was a, it was an obscure okay. family right. connection yeah, yeah. um it's pretty niche yeah it was, it was so, so basically they wasted loads of money on this yeah and then, he seemed okay. i think the, the general th- feeling is that the fa- the siddle family would have been a lot better off if he hadn't have been pouring lots of money right. into it because he was he ran a cutlery business yeah um he wasn't they weren't like destitute effectively yeah. they yeah, would have yeah, been yeah. able they wouldn't have been millionaires if he hadn't been doing this yeah but they would have been better off yeah if he if he'd stopped doing it effectively <laughs> um so like she was um the area they come from is kind of actually central dickens area kind of yeah. thing almost yeah, yeah. so you have uh hatton garden so in little dorrit there's bleeding heart yard which is kind do, of do you know do you know where that is, is like farringdon kind of area it's around that area, sort of. Yeah, yeah. But, on, so yeah, basically, yeah. It, it, yeah, Hatton London, Garden is kind of yeah. like a lot where sort of the big jewelry stores yes, are now. Okay. So yeah. you have the Hatton Garden job. Yeah, there. of course. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, but in Dickens' time, it was quite a place, evocative place to set stuff. So in this story, yeah. had Bleeding Heart Yard, which is a big um, sort of center point of the book. Yeah. Also, that's where Oliver Tw- near or Oliver Twist was taken when he was yeah, yeah. arrested for pickpocketing. Oh, yeah. um, the family subsequently, after her birth, moved to Southwark, which was yeah. a less genteel area. Yeah, I think yeah. potentially a sign that they too much money was going into this, this <laughs> law case yes um there's no record of her actually going to school but yes. she could write and read yeah which uh, as we saw in the newcastle question episode which i have to mention mm. almost every episode by the way um that's part of the rules yeah um it's quite quite sort of common for their well children to be taught by their parents to mm. read or write or whatever but or, or through some other informal Education, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, she was a fan of Tennyson at the time, so okay. he became yeah. an influence on her poetry. Yeah. So then maybe this is potentially where she, yeah, they learned to read from one of his books, potentially, or from yeah. some of his, from his poems. Yeah, yeah, maybe absolutely. this is where made the family had them. Yeah, um, but equally because of the family situation, her and her siblings needed to work. Yeah, um, so she went to work in a milliner store, which is yeah, I, yeah hand shop, which hand I shop. 
can never really remember before, but it's a hat shop. Yeah, um, yeah, and effectively, yeah. she had kind of like a, a triumvirate of roles within it. So yeah. her and her sort of colleagues would be making the hats, plus working oh, wow. as sales assistants. They'd, yeah. make them. they'd make the hats, they'd be working yeah. as sales assistants, and they'd also model hats on request. So yeah. it's kind of like a, By the way, I don't, know if we, did, I don't know if we said this, but she had five siblings? She did, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I suppose that's normal for the time, I guess. I mean... Uh, so Henry Tate had about a million or something, like <laughs> 13, you know, 13 yeah. siblings or something. Oh yeah, of course. But yeah. yeah, I mean that's quite extreme, but I suppose this is quite quite normal for the time. But yeah, um, and I thought it was quite interesting that sort of it was it was um, hat shops for sort of like the middle class. Mm. It's like this up and coming consumer focused business rather than rather than just selling hats to you know the aristocrats or whatever. Mm. Um, so sort of a, it sort of detects signs of increase yeah, the, yeah, the industrial revolution coming through it, it, increasing standards of living for, for people and stuff yeah, yeah hats yeah. for all hats uh, for indeed all. yeah well hats for yeah the hats for sort of more people than there were but yeah <laughs> not necessarily vote. all of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah exactly yeah which is yeah yeah so basically this hat shop yeah where she was working actually created the big break yeah into the pre-raphaelite era yeah. um for her so effectively what happened was, in the sort of late 1848, early 1849, a young artist called Walter Deverell yeah. was struggling with a painting that he couldn't quite get, effectively. Yeah. He wanted to do a scene from Twelfth Night, yeah. which is would depict uh, the main duke plus a jester yeah. and, a li- and Viola, who, yes, yeah, of course, Viola yeah. who's the heroine. At this point in the scene, yeah. Viola's disguised as a boy because yeah. being Shakespeare, the biggest laugh you could get was to cross-dress yeah. effectively <laughs> yeah. um, and of course it'd be even funnier because it would be a boy playing a girl who's dressed up as a girl a boy yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time yeah. um, so what he basically needed was a girl who could pass as a boy yeah. in terms of she couldn't have too many curves she couldn't be overtly a woman yeah. in terms of she would fit into the pages clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she couldn't she would have to have a quite boyish figure and he just yeah. couldn't find the right person for it luckily for him one of his friends knew one of Elizabeth Siddle's friends and at one point he called on this friend probably to try and seduce can, her. Can, can you imagine what, what kind of like conversation that would be? Oh, I need somebody who is a woman but looks like a boy. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, As the body of a boy. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, luckily for him, his friend actually bumped into Lizzie Siddle yeah. um, through another friend, uh, through, who one of Lizzie's yeah. colleagues, and then it was like, I know what's going to happen Eureka. here. Yeah. Eureka, this will help Walter out. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> so uh, he was so struck Walter by how... stormed into yeah. the hat shop. Well, he didn't, he didn't this today, did oh, okay. he? Basically, he then lurked around the hat shop. Yeah. This is so classic, through, I Looked through the... Because this, I mean, because John, I mean, we're going to talk about pretty not too much on John Ruskin, but this just seems to be a general theme. To be fair, though, he was actually relatively nice about it. Well, I have to say, well, just overall, he went around to the hat shop okay. to see, to, to view her for himself, to see that she was actually this <laughs> the, this thing. Yeah. Um, and then he was concerned that actually trying to brace a proposition to be a model would have sort of sleazy connotations because an artist's model was often kind of equated with a prostitute or well, similar it, it, woman of loose morals at the time. Yeah, I mean, in complete fairness to him, uh, Rossetti pretty much slept with all of his models, yes. I think, pretty Something much. We'll so on to, yeah. it's not a completely No, no, it's completely not. That's yeah. why he was worried about it. Yeah. Basically, he got his mother to go and speak to her to yeah. explain, <laughs> that, explain that what what the actual deal was yeah. and to explain why. And then, if, to begin with, Lizzie was a bit resistant, but then yeah. she talked around to it and then the mother actually went and talked to the family about so, it so to get them. Sorry, is the implication that Lizzie didn't really want to be a model? Well, I think she was. This had this concern about status and about her reputation, yeah. which... Okay. 
again, being an artist model, it's not like the most secure job in the world. Yeah, it's yeah, not exactly yeah. one that's going to do you reputation if you're looking for mm. potentially marriage or a husband mm. any good, mm-hmm. which is obviously potentially her route out of being a millionaire mm-hmm. or, or having yeah. some sort of yeah. financial security. I don't think she wanted to jeopardize that. Yeah, but having the mother there to um to try and basically say this isn't like some sort of you know sleazy artist coming yeah. to go and try yeah. and dress you. This is what the scene is. This is what it's going to be. Yeah, you know. Um, so she she persuaded Siddle and then sort of said you need to persuade my family so the mother went around and persuaded them too yeah. and then there's a weird situation where they were, they took her to basically had to smuggle her into Deverell's studio because <laughs> um, Walter Deverell uh, his dad didn't like the idea that he was an artist not because he wasn't snobby about <laughs> uh, art yes, no, but he yeah. wanted him to have a secure future yeah. but his mother really encouraged him so they, they basically created this like secret studio it's, in yeah. the garden and they then needed to smuggle Lizzie so into in it in the garden in the gardens sorry, sorry, the garden, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so. all right um, it's all sneaking in now <laughs> yeah. okay yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah but yeah and so that's what basically happened is that this is how it all became about she was smuggled into the studio yeah and obviously dressed in the but this clothes. is what i'm saying it's like tawdry almost from the start of tawdry but you know mm. a little bit like under just doesn't feel completely legit does it but anyway yeah yeah well i mean to be fair it seemed to be quite a good start for her in yeah. that the mother had uh, Deverell's mother and his sister were always around to bring her food and tea and stuff like that so she yeah. wasn't like she was trapped in this room with this sleazy artist making yeah. she was actually quite a uh, restrained and quite actually uh, respectable introduction to what could be yeah. quite a sleazy trade yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. her um, got a bit weirder when Deverell started painting her then, then effectively apparently according to I think it was Holman Hunt burst in on Holman Hunt and Rossetti and said Look, you chaps! I've met a stupendously beautiful creature. She's modelling for me. Come and see her. Wow. And so all the all the pre-Aphrodites, they kind of remind me a little bit of the in-betweeners um, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to this. All then troop like a, a group Zetti of them. Is, yeah. um, whatever they're called. Well, supposedly Jay. one they thinks he's called. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. kind of like that's kind of what they remind me of a little bit with a bit yeah. more, probably a bit more successful women. That's probably because they had a bit more power than the in-betweeners. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, um, skill as well yeah. in terms of artistry. But yeah, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they and then a group of the the. the Pre-Raphaelites just trooped around to Deverell's studio to see, uh, see to, to see Siddle, yeah. yeah, see this this sort of red-headed stunner as she'd be called. Yeah. Stunner was a Rossetti word apparently for any, anyone, <laughs> who, so any woman who is uh, sort of particularly good-looking or yeah. would be like a pre-Raphaelite archetype. But they're called stunners. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm say, yeah. Okay. so this one she was a stunner, and well, um, uh, yeah, go on. yeah, and so they all came round. Rossetti apparently either on the day of seeing her or the day after yeah. said, "Will you model for me?" Oh well. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was very quickly afterwards that he was then trying to get get yeah. get her um, to model for him. Yeah. Um, Holman Hunt also got her to model for him as well. So it was very quick, sort of. You know, you kind of like you're there. Yeah. Immediately. Walter Devereaux's kind of like he's not he's not part of the brotherhood, but he's like a he's like a subsidiary member of it. And then yeah, suddenly yeah. you're there with the whole like people trying you're to get the, your you know, catch your eye to be in their yeah. paintings. You're in at the ground yeah. floor. Basically, and yeah. just before we move on, two yeah. points to talk about at Twelfth Night. Yeah. The painting. Yeah. Which, if you look at it, depicts. Three figures. I think we should probably mention that we're going to put this on the show yes, notes page. we'll put on the show notes page. It's sort of furnishedhistory.com slash 26, right? There we go. We're rifling through the numbers. Indeed. Here, um, yeah, so there's three figures in the foreground. On the left-hand side, red hair, is um, Lizzie. Yep. Then on the right-hand side, you've got a fool who's actually Rossetti uh, uh... modelling for his friend because the pre obviously quite young, didn't have a huge amount of money. Yeah. Most of their models in the early years were either friends or family. Yeah. So this is Rossetti here modelling, ironically, with Lizzie Silver, who they become yeah. closely linked, but they didn't model at the same time. His was finished, I think, before she yeah. appeared. Okay. Um, and the other thing, say, it's slightly strangely sort of prophetic. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kind of kind of yeah. Who's the one in the middle? I'm not sure who the one in the middle is. It's probably a phrase name. It's probably written somewhere. John Ruskin. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Uh, and 
Oh, well, all right. Um, but yeah, so the other thing to mention is that Rossetti often had quite a lot of sort of an obsession or interest in painting Lizzie's hair. And you see her in lots yeah. of the paintings he wrote, like with long flowing hair yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, paying attention to it. But it must Inter- be quite something quite, quite sort of uh, compelling to paint because it's yeah. kind of so. Well, it's very striking. Unusual, it's a very yeah, striking, striking element. She's got yeah, red hair and she's got long, yeah. long red hair. Yeah. But it's interesting in this painting that for someone who would go on to paint her a lot, he actually finished off her hair in this because Devereaux felt he couldn't do it justice. <laughs> so Rossetti did it for him. Yeah. So he, he finished off her yes. hair in this painting just to add an okay. extra layer of propheticness yes. to, to it all. Um, do you want to give us a quick... So we've got this... That was the early bit of the yeah, model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about her most famous modelled painting because it goes it goes kind of stratospheric after that and everyone's after (laughs) it all the yeah so so all the pre-ref lines are after us yeah it's still that line from you yeah go on um yeah so obviously as you said Rossetti obviously yeah straight in mad keen on on painting yeah yeah and then Holman Hunt who's kind of like the other big yeah one of this time (laughs) with the least catchy title of a painting I've ever seen a converted British family sheltering a Christian priest from the persecution of the Druids. That's <laughs> wow, what okay. she was in for him originally, yeah. and he said he didn't do her justice because he made it look too muscular and peasanty. Possibly I think. also um, uh, gave the title the worst title ever. It was, was exactly. Yeah. I mean, why would you? Yeah. That's almost like the when you, when you have the um, alt text enabled on PowerPoint, and it's like <laughs> suggests yeah. the title yeah. of what it it's is. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, um, gone. Yeah. yeah. So this is so. 1849 is roughly we're looking at Twelfth Night. Yes. Then through 1850-51. Yes. This is where she becomes like, you know, the big, the, the big wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then end of 1851 into 1852 is where we get the big moment, which is the painting everyone remembers her for, even if they don't know they're looking at her, yeah. which is John Millet's Ophelia. Ophelia, yeah. So this took. Is around... that thing is possibly on. I think it's possibly my mum's favourite painting. Uh, we have to do it justice. My, my, my mum and dad are absolutely mad for the pre-Raphaelites, by the way. I don't know if this okay, is not, really, gonna, re- gonna, it's not really relevant to the episode. Game, but um, for, uh, for, yeah, obviously, living where I do, it's like quite quite close to the Tate Britain, and mm. uh, they're always just like... In there all the time. Go in yeah. There. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, sorry. Ironically, though, this uh, Ophelia and the Lady of Shalott, which we were talking about earlier, yeah. two big ones, are actually on loan at the moment in Australia. Yeah, so not and my like yeah, no, cousins came from New Zealand to see them. Yeah. And they're not there. <laughs> well, not just to see <laughs> them. They didn't just, just to see them. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they, were quite, they went around ages trying to find them. Oh. Hi, Dan. Are you in town? Yeah. I mean, we were going oh, We've sorry, flown sorry. for 24 hours just to see Ophelia. Ruining the episode. But yeah, so effectively, Ophelia, it was painted 1851-1852. Yeah, yeah. It took about five minutes to complete. Um, sorry, five minutes? Five months. Five months. Okay, quite the opposite, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's epic. Yeah, it? it is. So, I think it is one of the most famous. I remember actually at school there used to be. It was on the wall, like a print of it. I think it, I think it somewhere. was in our yeah. school as well because we actually learned a little bit about That's it. Niche, as I remember, it? Yeah. Yeah. as we'll come to, didn't learn very well about it, but okay. learned a little bit. About <laughs> okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Mille doing sort of the, um, as we mentioned, sort of impressionisty type thing. He yeah. was keen on going to riverbanks to actually paint the banks yeah. and get the flowers get correctly. correctly. Yeah. But when it came to Ophelia herself, he again wanted to be as accurate as possible in it depicting a drowned woman so he got an old wedding dress which would have, which would have quite a nice billowing effect mm. put it put Lisa Sittle in it and then lay, had her lay in a bath for months effectively ages and yeah, which she did willingly she did willingly it's kind of like really, she, really quite a strange job well I mean it, really, yeah it is I suppose I mean literally she is just suffering literally suffering for his art yeah for his art yeah, yeah. Um, she's being paid she's being paid she's I mean, working part time at the, at the milliner's shop at the moment still yeah I think so wow okay um, so she, it was quite good for her though, yeah. being able to keep that part time yeah, role yeah. still and be, and, a, model as well. and be a model. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so when she was modelling for this, she lay in the bath for sort of hours on end yeah, to yeah. keep it heated. They uh, Mille rigged up a system of oil lamps 
or lamps underneath the water to try and warm it up. Mm. There's one fam- particularly famous moment where apparently he was he was absorbed in his painting and all the lamps went out underneath it. But again, Lizzie not complaining to be able to put him off, again suffering from dark, just lay there into the water, cooled and cooled and cooled, until she effectively she th- things differ. She either caught a cold or pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> I was told at school that she died because of, <laughs> I'm pretty certain I was told at school that she just she died. I, I actually think I'm I was sure told I the that. same. Actually, and actually, funnily enough, I, I actually remember seeing this painting and thinking, "What the hell is that doing on the wall?" Yes, yeah, that yeah, is horrific. Yeah, because I'm sure I don't I know why this is yeah. the favourite painting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand why. Yeah. it's like technically brilliant, but the subject matter is yeah. just horrific. It is horrific. Go on. But yeah, um, yeah. Either way, she didn't die. They did cause a bit of a storm because her father threatened to sue Mile for fifty pounds, and if she, if unless he paid for her recovery, and yeah. he did pay for her doctor's bill. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, William Rossetti, so Rossetti's brother, yeah. thought that this image captured Siddle better than any other one. Mm. I'm not entirely sure if that's a compliment or not, given that she is a recently deceased person in the yeah, painting. Yeah. Either way, it is a quite, it is a very striking picture, yeah. and it's probably the biggest bit of her legacy. Yes, um, left. I mean, to be fair to her. She probably suffered more than anyone else making this. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mia probably got a bit of cramp doing it, and yeah, um, but and lost she, fifty pounds. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah I don't she, know how much she sold this for. But yeah, it's probably worth a lot well, more than that now. Um, what's it? The sugar, sugar, sugar baron. Of course, let me tell you. From my last episode. That's so, oh my yeah. God, linking it all back. Link is everywhere. Yeah. Well, the yeah. connectivity is blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's this is kind of like the the peak of her yeah. as a model. It's a peak settle. Because we're gonna yeah peak settle as a model. Because we're now moving and into peak like pre-Raphael, actually. I'd it say. is peak pre-Raphael. Because I think Blade of Shalot, of course, but that was yeah, else. but that's later. That's later. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is. The, I think. I think if you say pre-Raphaelite, yeah, this is what you you think of. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't because I once saw a book called Pre-Raphaelite Cats, which replaced every head of a pre-Raphaelite model with a cat. Okay. And that's been stuck in my head ever since. Okay. So, that's what I think of when I think pre-Raphaelites. But cats. everyone else thinks of well pre-Raphaelite cats. So yeah. Uh, Ophelia with a cat's head okay. and cat's paws. <laughs> and painted or just Wait, stuck was, on like a sticker? Uh, well, no, it was a book in okay. Leeds Art Gallery. In like Leeds Art Gallery. Like cats. Niche, isn't it? No idea why someone thought it was a good idea, but it's just yeah. even seared into my mind. Maybe they, maybe is this where your love of art comes from? Potentially, Perafla like cats, okay. yeah. yeah. Either way, yeah, there you go. Perafla like cats. But anyway, um, yeah, this is, as you said, peak Perafla, like peak, peak Siddle yeah. as a model. Yeah. Um, 1851, roughly, roughly around this time, Rossetti gets a bit annoyed that everyone else is painting her. And <laughs> gets a bit jarred. Yeah, gets a bit jarred. Which, which, is, which, is, which is rich, I think, coming from Rossetti. It is, yes, it is. Because presumably and he's also uh, painting other at this women. time as well. Well, this, this, is a, this is a controversy uh, we'll get onto in a second. But, is it controversial, uh, though? Well, this is, this is a bit of a grey area. A bit of a grey okay. area. Okay. But anyway, moving into this next section, Rossetti effectively bans her from modelling for other people and gets a bit annoyed about it. He wants it all to himself. Um, and so she, this, she agrees this, with this. She agrees with this, but again, you know, you're a young woman. You're in this sort of kind of wild life that yeah. you know, everyone is all potentially overwhelming. It's you're, pretty you're, random. It is, but also yeah. you've got this man who you think you love potentially. Yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, she, either way, she was twenty. He was twenty-one. Yeah. So you have to remember their ages as well. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. Sorry, yeah. About how long we are now. Yeah. Um, completely. Uh, but. We'll move on to the next section. I think this goes quite well with, which is her life with Rossetti. Yeah. yeah. So obviously they met, eighteen forty nine. Yeah. Speculated that the relationship began around as early as eighteen fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I mean, when you say relationship, I mean it's kind of quite a loose term, isn't it? Because they're kind of off and on the entire time. They are. So, yeah. As you say, the pre-Raphaelites are all kind of sleeping with each other anyway. But theoretically, anyway. Yeah. Well, the um, models, not this. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, obviously. I mean, it doesn't sort of. Well, 
Rossetti also had at least two other women who we know about mm-hmm. that um, he was also sleeping with, not necessarily at the same time. But around, they, they crossed but, over. Exactly, they crossed yeah, they crossed over. over quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's it's something that we probably, yeah. It's yeah. A, just a very, it must have been a very intense relationship to be a part of because I think Rossetti clearly felt sort of incredibly drawn to her yeah. in terms of a muse, in terms of model, in terms yeah. of a person because yeah. he's like output of paintings and drawings and art yeah, involving her, her is yeah. just insane like yeah. he draws so so many of his paintings have her in them and so many of like some of the nicer ones actually are his sketches that he did of her in sort of a domestic setting so yeah. her reading or something like that which shows quite a yeah. sort of a clearly like sort of informal kind of informal uh, candid side yeah exactly and also also shows quite sort of an, an attachment to her yeah. outside of like this idealized pre raphaelite model yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. actually seems to be the person just relaxing reading sitting yeah you know but so clearly there was that sort of intense, yeah, love. And I wonder whether this is a bit like a sort of pop, uh, sort of rock, uh, rock and roll kind of like the equivalent, basically. Mm-hmm. Where well, everyone, I think everyone just kind of got a little bit carried away and took too many drugs, could, and uh, you probably couldn't help but if you became obsessed, yeah, because you, you again you're in this like society of people who are ultra talented in yeah. terms of the pre raphaelites you know, who are yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, someone like Rossetti is clearly he's from a very talented family. He's yeah. very talented himself. You know, he's clearly going places mm. as a siddle with her modelling. So, as again, it's kind of it's probably that's probably the closest analogy yeah. we have yeah. for our times is like you know that sort of world of yeah. of you know fashion celebrity fame yeah, and whatever. Yeah, exactly. yeah and uh, um, devastation gone off the rails. Almost, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think I mean, yeah. I mean they almost. I mean, eventually. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> spoil it. Right they get they get addicted to drugs as well. Yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah that's, that's coming. That's coming. That's coming. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I think. It's probably we should probably say there was that basis of yeah. of huge attraction between yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But I think there was also you know a healthy amount of arguments that went on. So I think as you mentioned earlier, he was a complete womanizer for yeah. most of it. So one of those one of those ongoing things was a, was a model called Annie Miller, who was kind of yeah. I think Holman Hunt's basic stunner, if you, yeah. know, you, know, you could call <laughs> it that way, stunner, which he yeah. then latched onto. Yeah. Um, and then when Holman Hunt went on hot, well, on holiday, went on a trip to Palestine, he kind of moved <laughs> yeah. in on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, swooped in on. Well, that's so classic. And yeah. Is such a, yeah, okay. And still had an ongoing kind of dislike of her. So yeah. she there was one argument where she threw all of his um, pictures of, of Miller out the window when they argued. There was another weird moment where the pre raphaelites decided they might decide to try and live as a commune together and still, re- <laughs> still refuse to go if Annie Miller yeah. was going to go. Yeah. Um, so and funny. so clearly there was a massive antipathy between the two of them. Yeah. Because obviously Lizzie, Lizzie felt threatened by yeah. Rossetti being sort of drawn away by yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to... You've already sketched out a bit more of... Do you want to... Do you want to any, anything what? else you particularly want to raise from this? Uh, I was going to say they... Uh, well, I might be skipping ahead here, but they later got married as well. So... Yep. Uh, Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? Yeah, no, that's one of the in- more another interesting yeah, bit it's is 60, about because 18... supposedly because she was ill. Yeah, was well, this is the thing is like throughout their relationship, there was a, I think it was ongoing point of contention between well, the two of them. I think I think this is interesting because because there is a, there is there is an element here where this is definitely not a traditional relationship in the mm. sense that Rossetti obviously does not have. I mean, it's a, I know obviously we're saying he's massively talented. Whether they knew this at the time, I don't know because it's like you know, most artists. Yeah, <laughs> course, exactly. Loved himself, but um, mm. in, in, artists generally obviously don't see, tend to make that much money until they've sort of mm-hmm. uh, until they died, basically. But um, and they're usually sort of sponsored by somebody, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So sort of like the tension might be, for instance, that um, uh, Rossetti might not have had a stable income, mm-hmm. 
Whereas Elizabeth Siddle kind of did, because she still worked at the hat shop and was being paid for modelling. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of a sort of a slight, an unusual, especially for Victorian times, imbalance in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus also, because uh, Siddle is like kind of like um, coming at it from a, um, as you say, un- unlikely to be untraditional, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, in her views of what she wants from her life. She wants to sort of marry Rossetti and sort of down Rossetti, but he keeps kind of going off with other people, yeah. and, and and yet she's sort of still. It's just it must be like it is completely mental in mm. terms of I think the I've, usual cultural norms for this period. I think that, that that's quite an important, which is, might be point, where all the tension is coming from. Yeah, at this point, obviously, she's in a mid. I mean, and also, also Rossetti's family has viciously hated her as well. Yes, we'll come on to that in a second. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> like the um, I think that's quite quite right about the sort of cultural expectations at the yeah. time, because obviously yeah. throughout this relationship, eighteen fifty to eighteen sixty, she's just sort of through her 20s, which is yeah. kind of like peak time to get married. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. past 25, you're kind of looking a bit like, a bit too old to be well, especially in, especially in this period, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you're, you're kind of on the shelf still. But also she's had this thing where she's been living with an artist yeah. or living in very close proximity with an artist for yeah. quite a while. Yeah, yeah. So kind of that's, if she doesn't marry, that's kind of her reputation yeah, tarnished absolutely. because of it. So this yeah. is becoming an ongoing It's kind of desperate, not desperate, but, but yeah, it's, it's time, uh, it is sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, the, the interesting thing actually I read about, um, the weird thing about her was that Rossetti didn't particularly see her as maybe hugely wife material at one yeah, point yeah, because yeah, again yeah. the cultural norms she wasn't actually seen as a great homemaker in that because she didn't cook right she was apparently such a terrible nurse that Rossetti would go and stay with friends and family when he was ill <laughs> um, so potentially maybe there's a sort of a potential sort of again ingrained yeah, yeah, ideas yeah. of what a wife should be yeah, yeah, she yeah. didn't quite match up in well, his eyes in, in some ways neither of them are no yeah so and sorry you just reminded me of as another thing as well mm. is the um the the instability and the tension in the relationship is made even worse by the fact that obviously Rossetti being an artist is constantly painting new models each time mm. and this mm. general reputation is that the artists and the models are in some kind of yeah you know at least it's sort of implied kind of relationship in some kind and you just remember I'm not sure if it was at this time or just generally throughout his life apparently he would just roam London looking for new stunners and yeah, stuff like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. new yeah. stunners like lurking around all the sort of yeah. bits where prostitutes and sort of women who yeah. would be out looking for men were so he could try and like swoop yeah. them into his into his artistic yeah. lair kind of thing so again I can't reveal as you said yeah. a great in a stable environment yeah and and yet um, I don't think yeah I was going to say Lizzie Siddle doesn't really sound like that kind of girl but maybe she is I don't know maybe. in terms of what well like say the type the, the type of girl who would usually become a model no, she definitely she was talked wasn't, into it. She definitely was, in terms of look wise, she definitely wasn't for the time. So, like, like she wasn't like, considered. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, she this was, is, this is, I think, something we talked about before. Yeah. She was kind of like the archetype. Yeah. Everyone else, she was kind of, I think they, they often described Prefect models as scraggy and sort of ill gaunt looking. So, I think <laughs> yeah. that's where everyone else were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, for her, but also, as you said, reputation wise, yeah. sort of moral wise, I don't think yeah. she was the, yeah, yeah. the one you'd usually. Yeah, for she wasn't Annie Miller. I was reading about. Yeah, um, Annie Miller apparently she didn't use soap and that type of stuff, and was very sort of coarse and yeah. used foul language all the time. So she's a think... complete archetype of her. Um, yeah, not archetype. I think um, Fanny something. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember where her name is. But anyway, one of the other models that Rossetti uh, painted uh, was was very similar. Yeah, mm. it's like sort of. Um, well, first of all, from sort of like a working class background like kind of subtle well I, I don't I don't I don't really do you think Elizabeth Siddle was a working class background I think broadly I, speaking you could call it that okay but um, like up like kind of like but again I think a lot of it stemmed from the 
the money disappearing yeah. to this erroneous court case. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like her, her dad was a factory worker. He was no, a he, he, was was a, he owned his own cutlery shop, I assume. Well, he did, but I think he only he would make it as well. Is that right. makes sense? Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He wasn't so, like so he was running like a, a cutlery so, empire. He like was a, a, yeah. a small business owner. Yeah, like a sort of art, yeah, exactly. Like a shopkeeper or a sort of artisan yeah. kind of I think, guy. Rather like a so a. So a yeah, one up from, like an from what you would... Type thing. Yeah, 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 so one up there. from, from like the proletariat. Yeah, so he's not like that, but again, yeah. he would have been more obvious had he not been squandering the yes. wealth yeah, on yeah, this yeah. Yeah. ridiculous thing. Either yeah. Way, yeah. So, so, so she was sort of, uh, you know, in that in that small sense, slightly, uh, uh, you know, more sophisticated, I guess, than, yeah. than, than most of the girls that she he was painting. Sorry. But this yeah. brings us on quite neatly to another element of their relationship which caused contention which was Rossetti's family yeah, and their views on her, yeah. I think. Because although we would argue that yeah. she wasn't like a yeah. downcast working yeah. class person, yeah. they had very different views of her. Absolutely. And I think probably best to... Do you want to say a little bit about Rossetti's family, what they, who they were? Because that links us back to another episode. Yes, well, um, yeah, linking back to episode three, in fact, all oh, the way back to episode yeah. three. Um which we'll come on to in a moment, but basically, uh, Rossetti's family are sort of the, the what you would call the, the middle, sort of middle class intellectuals, kind of writers and poets, and sort of mm-hmm. um, so on. Essentially, dad was dad was an Italian emigre, so yeah, dad was an Italian emigre. Uh, quite, he was a writer. Yeah, sister Christina was also a poet yeah. and now a very well known poet. Yeah. She wrote things called the Goblin Market, for example. Yeah, yeah. and then of course, uncle for us, a big big guy. Yeah, you know? Polidori yeah. from. Um, well, from the, from episode three, who wrote the first vampire uh, story, right? Yeah, blast the, from the past. Uh, the vampire with a Y. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, and yeah, so revolutionary. Yeah, for his um, time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so so that that's that's where they're coming from, mm-hmm. and they got this sort of kid from from a sort of um, family of of knife and fork makers, basically, yeah. and it's kind of a bit like like we said, it's, it's sort of it is you know it's sort of bit, I mean. They're, yeah, they're 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 not they're not keen essentially mm-hmm. on. Uh, yeah, they didn't like so. her at all. So her mother, ba- his, Rossetti's mother, basically had this idea that he would continue to like push the family upwards. Yeah, uh, or at least marry from his own class. So I think she she wanted in the first instance to marry a nice Italian girl mm. from his own class, effectively, yeah. or playing yeah. that a nice English girl. And the Rosorgimento. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they definitely didn't like the idea of Siddle. Um, they, I think they also particularly one of the things that seemed to grate on a lot of people was that Rossetti talked about her loads, but also didn't really introduce or, or stuff because right. he had this thing about his most treasured things he liked to keep to himself right so he would be going out and talking about this amazing person are you, but then are you also, sure about that because that sounds like something Rossetti himself would say well this is what I was thinking I, mean? like, you know, I keep all my treasured possessions to myself it's like well uh, okay well I don't know it's just a bit, bit weird because he didn't treat her very well do you know what I mean but well, yeah. no, this is the thing I think well, we'll come oh, to yeah, the yeah, end yeah, yeah. in that yeah, I'm just being controversial. Yeah, no, but yeah. I, this is definitely the view that people okay. formed of what he was right. doing. Potentially, what helped damage the relationship. Right. Was okay. He didn't. He wasn't overly keen on for some reason. It seems introducing around the family. Right. Again, the money issue might have played into it. Yeah. Again, the dis the um, disparity between yeah, wealth yeah. and yeah. status. Yes. Again, apparently there was this thing about him yeah. keeping his most treasured things to himself. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah having a very intense hold over them, which yeah. I think shows in why he didn't let a model for other people. Yeah. Again, keeping himself... Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. No, that's good. Um, yeah. that's but either way, it could be. But he did famously, at last, introduce her to the family. Yeah. Uh, which was after she became started becoming established as an artist in her own right, yeah. in some ways. Um, we'll come into it in a bit. Yeah. She did 
come into our own money yes. through being an artist. Yes. And there seems to have been the theory that this new sort of wealth that she's getting may have equaled out, equaled out her background yeah, in the family's eyes. Yeah. So the family obviously has uh, Christina, mother, mother Rossetti, and yeah. Maria Rossetti, who's, who's even quite a devout person, didn't yeah. like the idea, again, potentially this idea of her brother living in sin with yeah, this yeah, artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, anyway, he took her around to the family for tea with one of his friends who he kind of hoped would be a buffer between the, the Rossettis and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Siddle. And it did not go well at all. Effectively, it basically passed off in silence and everyone wished it never had happened, wow. effectively, until it was time for... Rossetti and Siddle then left and left the friend, uh, Ford Maddox Brown, and his wife with the Rossetti family. Yeah. And he then desperately tried to talk them around to liking her, but it just was a lost cause, wow. effectively. Yeah. Um, so that was basically that in terms of the family. They didn't particularly like her. Yeah. Um, it probably was another point of tension in the relationship yeah, yeah, throughout yeah. it. Yeah. And before we before we leave the the thing, do you want to quickly talk about their marriage? You mentioned it a couple of times and where, uh, well, why it, that came about. Yes, in the well, end, after about ten years. Yeah. Well, essentially, uh, Siddle got extremely ill, mm-hmm. uh, sort of consistently ill as well. Yeah. Um, and the implication is that Rossetti basically took pity on her, um, and 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 married her. How do you do? Mm. A fan of sympathy. Yeah, it seemed um, to be because 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 she she also uh, well sort of had a attempted to have well she was pregnant for a bit and then she attempted to have a child but it was stillborn. It was stillborn. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of horrific as well. Um, I don't know whether we know that's Rosetti's child. Or... Well, it was born after their marriage. Yes. Um, and there's nothing really to suggest that she was. Yeah. Sleeping with no. People, oh, okay, so. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah um, fine. But I mean, uh, like. With the, this is sort of like all like the the gradual downhillness of their relationship from this point. Really. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really weird well, situation. Life, I think yeah, a weird situation because as you said, she became incredibly ill, um, sort of just before eighteen around eighteen sixty, which forced her to go to Hastings where she'd been a few times to right. recover from illness. Um, and you know, it often seemed to be when Rossetti appeared, came back to her, she rallied, and say so there was right. an implication that she would come into a bit in the illness bit, but yeah. um, you know. Around this time, he th- th- then saw her immediately, and almost seemed to flip immediately into marriage as the answer kind of thing. Right, yeah. But she was so ill that apparently for several days she couldn't actually leave her bed to get to the church, even though wow. it was down the road. She yeah. was still he- to be moved into the church at all. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, uh, it may have been that he just felt guilty for keeping her waiting well, I, so I long. Think so. I think yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. must have been something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, and they were married without any family, yeah. like just a few witnesses they yeah, picked up in yeah. the town. Picked up in the town. And they did. so bizarre, yeah. isn't it? It's just... Utterly bizarre. Although it does keep to what you're saying about him keeping what he loved close to his heart. Potentially, yeah. Close to his yeah. heart. Close to, yeah, close With to it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing I've got down here to... Stow. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing I've got down here yeah. um, for their relationship is... Well, you're sim- wrong! ...is symbiotic but painful, is the phrase uh, I've Yeah. I mean, the, there was symbi- an element where it was helping them. Yeah. But there was yeah. also an element where it was incredibly painful for both of them. Yeah. In particular know. for Siddle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know if it... I mean, was it particularly... I suppose it was painful for Rosetti because it was kind of I dragging think, him down. Well, I don't think it was dragging him down, but I also think you had this ongoing thing with his family that was causing him yeah, issues. I don't think it, we could put their pain on level. No, yeah. uh, clearly it affected her a lot. Yeah, but obviously him. you can't read their minds yeah. either, which is a yeah. But I think there yeah. was definitely a element where it was incredibly passionate and helpful for both of them. Yeah, in terms of Rosetti, clearly was incredibly driven to paint her and create these amazing works of art. On the other side. Siddle effectively got a teacher, someone who actually helped yes. her with her yeah, art, yeah, yeah. That, that brought that point. out of her, yeah, yeah. Um, which we'll come on to in a second. Yeah. But also, it's clearly clear from the fact that she became so ill towards the end of before they got married, and yeah. the fact that it was causing them huge amounts of arguments around marriage and what they wanted to do in that type of stuff, yeah, that it clearly yeah. was very painful as well. Yeah. Um, 
the sort of the footnote to their relationship after she died yeah. um, was Rossetti's one of Rossetti's most famous paintings called Beta, Beta Beatrix, yeah. um, who was the lover of Dante, Dante's Inferno. Right. He yeah. paints Siddow as her. Um, and this came out in it's 1887. It's because he basically considers himself Dante, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's named after him. Well, exactly, like, yeah. And then, although, although it's sort of like, like a tertiary name. It's like his third middle name or something. And then he brings it to... Mm, well, like he's known as Dante Rossetti, yeah. but it's not. It's not actually his original name, was it? But yeah, but yeah. So no, I mean, no one cares. But yeah, <laughs> but no. This eighteen. I'm just trying, just trying to pull up his obviously sense of slight narcissistic kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got, an artist at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the 1870s when Beta Beatrix comes out, it's kind of like the the last footnote to it because yeah, um, it clearly. You know, as you said, Dante is a huge hero to Rossetti. Yeah, and this this image of him sort of loving his Beatrice and then him loving Siddle potentially yeah. is coming through in this painting. Because yeah. um, uh, even though, ironically, when um, other people who knew Siddle saw it, yeah. commented, didn't actually look too much like her, so again, it could be more his image of her coming yes, through yeah, yeah. than his actual love, which could be a sign, I think, for their relationship, really. I mean, I personally yeah, like... Yeah, he wished her, she was, she was different else. to I think he fell was, in love yeah. a lot with the... Art with the artist he art he created, or like the image he had of her, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, of this idealized yeah, 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 person. That's fair, yeah. um, but equally, I find his paintings of, uh, as we've mentioned, his pictures of yeah. her, drawings of her, sort of at leisure, yeah. are nicer than his actual formal formal paintings. paintings so yeah. Speak, yeah. Either way, either way. Um, um, well, I think we should go on to uh, what she was like as an artist, since she's, she's obviously been learning with Rossetti this True. entire time, yeah. well, not this entire time, but that entire time yeah yeah um so yeah so she effectively starts kind of mm. her artistic life with when she starts seeing Rossetti starts yeah. being in a relationship with him she kind of learns from him a lot so yeah. um he's almost like well, obviously you can think of many women at the time wouldn't have been able to actually study painting yeah she actually had a sort of a pet artist to yeah yeah yeah, so yeah. And plus also she had the germ of this kind of thing anyway because she was really interested in um uh, poetry and so yeah, on. So she, she yeah the artistic mind. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But also the key thing I think to start her off was Rossetti actually let her borrow his paints and pet and brushes, which are kind of although it kind of sounds like for us now they're incredibly expensive to actually <laughs> yeah, have, yeah, yeah. so not like a cheap thing. Well, I don't know. Where you even, where, where, I mean, how do you even? Well, you get you go to specialist paint shops. Apparently, there's somewhere the British Museum. Okay. Enough. Apparently, that's where she went and got her paints at one point. Fair enough. Okay. Before she married, met the family. This had lead in the paint. Sorry, nothing. She, she then had lead in the paint. Probably. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Either way, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're not cheap influences. But mm. she, with Rossetti there, she was able to utilize his his stuff. His expertise. His oh yeah, and, and his, his equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah both the expertise yeah. and his equipment, which yeah. is is very good. And clearly, it pays off because in eighteen fifty five, so yeah. around five years into the relationship, yeah. the man who I feel you have taken a dislike to, yeah. uh, uh, me, yeah, every, yeah, lots of people have to be fired. John, right? Like John, I don't, yeah, okay. I'm not, John, I was trying to try and build up as a okay, sorry, fine with me. Sort of a man who. Is integral to the Pre-Raphaelites, yeah. who kept in the background for now, yeah. but who we talked about before we came on air mm. and felt that he was a rather dubious character. Yeah, <laughs> for some so reason, at least, so yeah, sort of came onto the scene in 1855 in a big way for it for yeah. Lizzie. Do you want to give a quick a background to him? Yeah, uh, so John Ruskin. Um, I oh my god, I had so many before you before you before you go, go in, on. Yeah, essentially, he was a sort of writer, thinker, yes, art critic, theorist, all round celebrity at the time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but do you want to talk about what the less well, if, well, well okay, okay. Before, you, before you started like denigrating well, him well, well, he, he, he had a habit of sponsoring essentially artists mm -hmm. and also 
Um, and then sponsored, Lizzie Siddle as well, as in sponsoring, as in he paid her a regular sort of salary, I suppose, or something for, for so she could live on and create art in the process. Yeah. And he, in return, he got basically first refusal on her stuff. So he, paid oh, is that right? Okay, right. So basically, yeah, yeah, that makes the, sense. Yeah. I could quickly bang on to that note, yeah. Up, but basically, Rossetti showed him his work, showed um, him her work, yeah, yeah, Ruskin her work. Ruskin then basically went to, to Paris as a lie about it. Yeah. Bought it all for £30. Said it was better than Rossetti's stuff. Yeah. Although one of the books I read, which will lead into what you're going to talk about, I think, yeah. uh, said that Ruskin often was, a, shall we say, slightly um, wrong when it came to looking at you think, look, yeah. pretty girls and what they produced. Yeah. So this may have coloured his impression. Yeah. Either I, way. I, that was almost certainly the case because this yeah. is just complete nonsense. Rossetti's yeah. paintings are They are good. I think he was just trying, trying to rile Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 fair. Banter. But, um, but yeah, um, so then he off, then he gave um, Siddle a allowance of £150 a year. I've seen £150 a year quoted yeah, and yeah, £150 yeah. a quarter quoted. Yeah. For ve- effectively, as you said, for her to live on and then he yeah. would get first refusal of all her works yes, that he wanted them, effectively. Yeah. And yeah. Um, go, I was going to say go for Ruskin go for the throat well he had a, myself, he had a slightly bizarre and slightly creepy interest in sponsoring uh, women's well activities uh, schools and um, specifically girls activities and girls schools um, which wouldn't usually necessarily be sort of you know I mean you know so what but he, he took a sort of really personal interest in it mm. and tended to sort of visit a lot and um, <laughs> I mean I don't know <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that no one knows for sure do they yeah but like there's a lot of so a few unanswered questions around him that yeah. element of and, and, all, and, all, and as I think you said off air um, earlier his wife was extremely young as well yeah he, he kind of I think he met her when she was very young and yeah. then they married she, I think he was a, she was a child yeah he was a friend of the family and then they married when she was young but he was no one knows exactly quite sure what happened, but something went very yeah. badly wrong on the wedding night. The marriage was never consummated. Mm-hmm. Um, people were saying that potentially he was horrified by her because she was a woman at that point. <laughs> no one quite is quite sure what he was horrified about. It may have been that uh, her pubic hair or the fact she was actually potentially <laughs> in a period. No one knows right, yeah. exactly why he didn't like her or want yeah. to sleep with her. Um, but there was but obviously some reason that he didn't like a woman's body as opposed to a girl's body yeah is yeah, yeah. what some people have read into that yeah which obviously as we're trying to say makes him a pedophile but <laughs> whatever um, anyway so so John Ruskin I think we've thoroughly Denigrated annihilated his, his character yeah. uh, although in this case can we separate his well this is it he had can a, we good, separate it was a very the two? good side obviously for him to it was very good for him to actually sponsor yeah. Lizzie's work because they gave her that opportunity to actually paint and yes yeah, yeah 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 so you know we've her output isn't huge um it's i mean well, well, she, she, she produced she produced quite a lot of uh, a lot of stuff it was sort it of was, and, and i was going to say as well incrementally improving across the yeah, period of time point, yeah, yeah definitely basically school we've got 11 paintings mixed with oils and watercolors and between yeah. 20 and th- 25 and 30 drawings yeah of her output yeah we should say that obviously we're going to come into a second her illness yeah and she generally tended to out create more when she's in a happier place. Yes, so no, you can kind of mark yeah. her happiness and her you know positivity throughout when she's being productive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is obviously good that Ruskin could actually push push her into this. Yeah. and Give her the out- output for it. Yeah. There's a slightly slightly less helpful thing in that she she recognised and in terms of why they actually invent in the end she actually stopped the allowance in 1857. Right. Because she felt Ruskin was trying to be too overbearing on what she put out, so he was trying right. to push her not to produce certain points of art, maybe trying to steer her away from 
doing maybe what she exactly wanted to right, do. Yeah, yeah. So she was trying to, she tried to steer away from debating dark topics, which might actually have been relatively a good idea if she was feeling down, yeah. or depressed, or, or yeah, upset. Yeah. But, you know, either way, she, I think she probably built up into resentment of why you pushed, pushed him. He pushed her away, away from, from the dark okay, topics that she was putting in. Um, but equally, you know, yeah. he, I'm sure any artist would, rep, would um, dislike having strings attached to their money or, or people yeah. trying to basically say what you can and can't paint. I guess so. I, mean, um, I, I, I suppose, unfortunately, <laughs> that's, that's just the way it is, isn't it? I guess. It is. I mean, but I mean, yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. It is. But I think, you know, in the in 1857, she gave up the allowance from Ruskin along those, wow. partially along those lines. And yeah. As you said, I think this, you know, towards the end of her life, you can see the downward trend of it. Yeah, yeah. I think this is partially maybe the start of it or partially indicative of that downward trend. Yeah. She's showing that this is... She couldn't envisage being happy or having the yeah. capacity to produce much more art because she wow. did say to him that she didn't feel that she she was fulfilling her side of the bargain as well by giving right. by, by yeah. having an output. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, this is another way of well, maybe, maybe the overbearingness of Ruskin was actually perhaps pushing her to produce produce too much or trying to get her to do too much. Maybe potentially. Maybe. She, I, mean, I, I, I think one of the reasons she did say was the overbearingness is one element of it. Yeah. The other element is her saying she didn't have the capacity to put yeah. to produce more at that time. She yeah, felt like yeah. she was taking money for nothing. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either way, it was potentially a very sad moment because yeah. it maybe marks the start of her final decline. decline. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Either way, um, so yeah, we've got we haven't got a huge bulk of work, but it's an interesting bulk because, as you said, it kind of shows the incremental improvement of an artist. Yeah, I think, and this is something you often don't get to see. Yeah, hugely in like a in a yeah. sort of you know confined space because Rossetti again, we've got you've got so much out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and also he had that um, time where he was studying art. Yeah. To actually hone his craft, understand how to use oils, understand how to use paint, understand yeah. how to formulate a drawing, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. And we don't really have that huge amount for him, yeah. because obviously he did it all at school. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Sid was doing it all with him, yeah. and he kept yeah, a yeah. lot of her paintings. So, from he's, him. Yeah, yeah. so he's, yeah. he's seeing it. I, my, a lot of people kind of have those criticisms of her, exactly how, she, how well she can draw, how well she can do it. So yeah. people often criticize the fact that her figures look quite boneless. I mean, I do, um, I do think the one, the one, when she did the self portrait, I thought that was extremely like. Not well. I didn't think it was very good at all. But okay. I think I, her self-portrait. I think I know the one you're talking about. I find it really interesting because I find it almost <clears> more <throat> honest than right, yes, than yeah. flattering. Uh, yeah, yeah, than a sort of a, a Rossetti. So yeah, yeah. The eyes often when Rossetti paints her, her eyes are downcast and looking very demure, mm. and potentially and her features are very softened. Mm. Um, particularly in the sketches and that type of thing. But in this one, her eyes are kind of straight straight out. They're yeah. quite goggly almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her skin. Her hair looks quite high. Uh, her skin's kind of her, her chin's quite severe and everything. So yeah. I think she, it's almost like her showing <clears throat> her how she sees her, yeah, yeah, potentially yeah, 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 the unidealized, yeah. unvarnished approach to her. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. it's probably not technically the best painting yeah. ever created or the best self-portrait. I think you can say that. But again, I think we're we're, we're seeing someone who is learning how to craft. do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's probably the most most apparent when you look at the difference between her sketches and her paintings yeah. so if we look at one sketch which is Pippa Passing or Pippa Passing the Loose Women which is yeah. uh, based on a Robert Browning poem yeah. um, I think it's quite clear that this is someone who actually understands how to put a paint one put a picture together and yeah. will actually tell a story through it so you can yeah. see on the left you've got Pippa who is showing she's quite you know, straight up she's not overly comfortable with the situation and yeah. her body language is quite rigid yeah. um, and on the other hand, you've got the, the effectively the loose women, the prostitutes, <laughs> yeah, who are kind of more, steps, yeah, they're sort of like they're they're clearly lounging, they're, lounging there, yeah. they're happy, and you can tell with their facial expressions are all well drawn and yeah. showing what's going on in the picture. And I think yeah. that you can say it's actually technically a well done picture. You've got yeah. a sense of perspective going yeah, in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, if you look at something like um, 
before battle, which is an oil painting, mm -hmm. you've got something that's slightly less distinct. Again, it's got this boneless quality that people will talk about. So again, yeah. if you look at the lady's arm in the front element of it, yeah, it looks quite cool loose. It looks a little yeah. bit like in um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, where he gets <laughs> all the bones taken out of his yes. arm. Yeah. Um, and again, the, again, the, pe the f features aren't overly distinct. Yeah. It's not. It's it's clearly it's a well put together painting in terms of the feeling in it yeah, and going yeah, off yeah. to battle you yeah. can clearly show she's got that artistic mindset because she knows what story she wants to tell yeah and it's also but, sort of adopting the pre-raphaelite yeah, idea completely, of motion yeah. through the painting yeah. rather than the te well although the, i suppose you would say the pre-raphaelites are also technically brilliant but yeah yeah but i think this this is again indicative of someone who's learning how to use oil learning yeah. how to use paints as opposed to she's got the yeah the under the baseline of it in the sketches but yeah. maybe it's not necessarily as technically proficient in terms of the oils yeah and again if she'd had that potentially sustained time to either go to a proper art school mm. and not rely on having Rossetti when he can teaching her yeah or you know have that sustained yeah few years of learning how to do it then clearly she had the ability in terms of her sketching and her ability to put a painting together to be able to learn the actual technique of doing an actual painting would have come with it but again maybe she didn't have that time but again as you pointed out she does she's very clear of the pre-Aphrodite school she takes scenes from Shakespeare she drew one from Macbeth hmm. did a, her own Lady of Shalott as hmm. well as a sketch um, and so you know the, she's clearly got it there in terms of what she wants to do but maybe the execution yeah. she didn't have the time to be able to do it properly or do it as technically proficiently as other artists of the time but yeah. I think she's an important person to look at because it shows us again that as you said that progression, incremental yeah. progression yeah. but also someone who knows what they want so again I think it's also important to note that when the Preaphylites had their exhibition, or I think it's called the Preaphylite Brotherhood Salon sometimes in Marleybone in 1857. So just just around the time she gives up the allowance, she was the only female artist to actually be exhibited there. Oh, wow. And yeah. then later on, um, in 1984, when the Tate had their own exhibition, she was again the only female Preaphylite to be featured there yeah, at the time. Yeah. So again, Should we also consider one of the Preaphylites then? Obviously. I think so. I think she was obviously wasn't one of the Brotherhood. No. Um, she's not brother. But she's <laughs> yeah. definitely, She. I think she probably deserved to have that kind of see, yeah. bit in there because she was you know she was doing the scenes as they'd yeah. say she was clearly knowing how to put painting together yeah, yeah. You know, I think she deserves her space as a pre-athlete and it's yeah. like she was embodying what they wanted to do yeah, yeah. it's just that she didn't have that baseline of actual technical ability I suppose well, she, yeah. yeah she didn't have the time to learn it yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. you know yeah. there are some artists like a Mike Andrew who is just yeah. a uh, genius yeah, as you say I, I mean think... they, they, they some of the uh, I mean yeah you say that they are a genius but also as you say they've spent their entire lives yeah, learning how to craft doing this yeah. Yeah, so... they were setting all the ones they had been to good art yeah, schools yeah. and got that baseline knowledge where she was coming at it like, but probably about five or ten years maybe maximum yeah I, I think yeah I mean 1850 is when she starts yeah. tender begins a relationship with Rossetti so yeah, okay, that's yeah. a potential very early start yeah, point yeah, exactly. up to 1857 where she gives the allowance to Ruskin back so that's seven so years seven years I guess yeah. seven years to like Max. learn yeah. everything and again she's having these moments where she's feeling down not yeah. producing anything yeah, yeah. maybe Rossetti's not letting her borrow the paints because he's angry yeah. with her maybe she, you know, yeah. she can't there isn't enough yeah. for her to use at the same time because Rossetti's going through a period yeah. where he's having to use them all or yeah, not yeah, enough to yeah. buy them so again it's something where you know if she, I think she'd have the space and time to learn she'd have been probably someone who yeah. would have been one produced a lot more and two mm. would have been able to would have been more respected as an artist perhaps yes but I think she shows us an interesting thing of the artists artist learning her craft if that makes sense because yeah. that's what she was doing indeed but yeah I think you were going to go from well from her decline to her yeah. actual demise I suppose yeah starting with her uh, unfortunate addiction to um, painkiller well laudanum and opium based painkillers yeah. essentially yeah so kind of this has been like the background to all of, all of it so far like we've yeah. talked about her becoming a model, living with Zetti, artist, but all the way through there's been this 
sort of spectre hanging over. Yeah, her, there, there is it. Her entire life is yeah. a spectre hanging over. There's so always like, like you know her her. It's almost like as soon as she went went off the path of becoming you know became a model and went off the path of well what she originally anticipated her life to be like I assume. Uh, well, things got a bit dark. Mm. But I think the Rossetti element definitely helped, didn't yeah. help this. You know, yeah. it absences potential affairs. Yeah. I think, you know, you can definitely chart when the relationship was going badly yeah. to illness striking. And yeah. you know, the, this is where the Laudanum addiction, I think, built up from as well. Yeah. Because yeah. Laudanum, uh, for, for those of you who, like me, didn't really know what it was before, it's effectively said painkiller, pain medication in the 19th century. Century, It's a tincture, tincture of opium, so kind of liquid opium kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you have very, various famous 19th century addicts. So mm-hmm. apparently Mary Todd Lincoln, who was Abraham Lincoln's wife, was an addict. Wilkie Collins, who was a writer, used it in the Moonstone. Um, and Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who was a romantic poet. Mm. Um, all uh, all, all Lord and addicts. Yeah. yeah, so you, know, you could get it pretty easily in, yeah, Lord <laughs> easily in the 19th century. Um but I think, you know, this is only part of what her decline was uh, brought on by. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the other element, which was this mystery illness that historians aren't still aren't one hundred percent on what it actually was mm. or whether it actually was a thing. Yeah. So um, there's been speculation that it's tubercular tuberculosis, yeah. maybe anorexia or some sort of intestinal disorder. Right. There are other elements that she was putting a lot of it on to try and lure Rossetti back yeah, when I, he disappeared. I was gonna, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there may well have been that. I think there was probably some kind of illness. Right. From you know, some sort of condition that maybe she played up right. on, to, yeah. you know, which you know, is to get sympathy from sympathy, which is you know, yeah. something that we people do yeah. all the time. It's a weapon she has to you know, keep yeah. him, keep hold of him yeah. when he's off lurking around and yeah. stuff yeah. like that to yeah. try and make him feel guilty. But I think there's also this other interesting thing that I came across um, that was effectively with romantic poets talked a lot about people being ill, a lot about women being ill. And apparently there was this craze that just sparked off the became the invalid as a romantic figure, which is essentially where um, sort of particularly middle class and well off women were often displayed their ill health or displayed ill health as a means of being more alluring or something like that. So bizarre. Bizarre. They may have tra- and apparently sofas referred to as sick couches as women often draped themselves over them. How bizarre. Um, so I think this may be also like a slight yeah slight influence of this coming through as well. Yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah. This romantic but invalid invalid type figure. Yeah. I suppose it, I mean is it, is it, yeah, I mean I don't know why this is but there's sort of chivalric kind of element again potentially yeah to the rescue yeah potentially but yeah yeah and yeah I think I think but they, obviously at the time it was it was um, serious enough for people like Ruskin to get his friend Doctor Ackland to come and uh, basically examine her to find out what was happening he couldn't yeah. find anything wrong with her right. but again historians have speculated at this point she was trying to cover something up to keep an aura of mystery around right. this again yeah. people just don't know what was wrong with yeah. her yeah. how serious it was whether there was anything yeah. wrong with her yeah. but clearly there was because as we mentioned towards where they got married, she was emaciated. She looked incredibly ill, which obviously brought on this guilt from Rossetti that you know he'd, you know, look what he'd, yeah. he'd been wasting, you know, yeah. keeping on, you know, keeping me interested and then pushing away for ten years, yeah. you know, yeah. to do something about it. Um, but yeah, as we moved kind of into their marriage, obviously she got better. Yeah, fived a bit when he when he appeared. But as you mentioned earlier, she had in eighteen sixty one, she had a stillborn daughter. Yeah. And then by the end of eighteen sixty one she was pregnant again with yeah. another child. Yeah. So again she's clearly going through a time and she's again lordnaming up. Um, I was gonna say the stillborn child kind of I mean I'm not you know can't make any assumptions really, but it kind of sounds like she might have been ill. Yes. I think there was to have have been caused, do you know what I mean? I mean mm. Yeah. Yeah, either way I think there's this combination of this illness. Clearly she was in a very bad way because again yeah. 
she's given up in 1857 the allowance to actually paint so yeah. clearly that's a sign that she's not in a good way yeah. from there she'd been very ill in 1860 yeah. although they've married she's clearly still not well yeah. she's, clearly, she's still taking laudanum yeah. she had this miscarriage pregnant again so she's obviously in, probably her body's in quite a weak shape anyway yeah. um, and then 1862 February is when she actually she finally yeah. dies yeah. there's still a mystery around this as well um, she overdosed on laudanum that much is for sure mm-hmm. but people don't really know exactly how whether it was intentional or whether it was accidental yeah, yeah. Um, so Rossetti was was teaching at the working men's college which was a job that Ruskin got him and he came back to find her uh, unconscious eventually so he sent for a doc- sent for four separate doctors to try and save her her stomach was pumped but it didn't work um, in the end her death was ruled as an accident by the coroner again there's speculation mm. that Rossetti may have covered up the fact that there was a suicide note to yeah, make sure that she yeah. got a Christian burial because if you were a suicide, then you couldn't be buried yeah, in the Christian yeah. tradition. Um, so apparently there's there's an element that he may have found a suicide note and burned it to basically stop that from happening. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's... And then Rosetti buried her with a bunch of... Come on, leave a little bit of romance. The mystery, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to bring into you to all this. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, she's buried in Highgate Cemetery. Um, I did not realise that, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, and But there's a kind of like... Almost like a classic footnote there that almost sums their relationship up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, do you want to get to it, tell people that? Well, uh, I mean, it starts off very romantically. Yes. In the sense that uh, Rossetti had a number of unpublished um, poems that he hadn't uh, that, that had never been sort of been seen, uh, and he buried her, uh, buried uh, settled with with all of these poems in in the same sort of place. Yeah. Um, Between her, her cheek and her hair, apparently. Right. So in the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's quite romantic. Yeah. But then, obviously, the downside is that um, he <laughs> obviously decided that he needed these poems and dug them up again. Yes. Exhumed um, Lizzie Siddle's body and um, dug them up again and took them out. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and published weird. them. And published them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he obviously thought they were quite good after all. Yeah. It's, it's like you know, really romantic gesture, but then sort of kind of. Screws it up. Which again, yeah. I think, kind of sums up their relationship. Yeah, said this, like, yeah. this idea. I think he had this idea, this great idea of this huge romantic muse type yeah. figure, yeah, which yeah. again clearly comes through in his paintings. But then, equally, he's clearly not comfortable with the reality of yeah, actually yeah. He's not keen staying on with life, this woman, because yeah. um, that's why he's off so often, why yeah. he's hurting her so often. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's kind of like a tragic end to a. In many ways, you know, it's a very you know, hugely successful in some ways. Like she was. A supermodel, yeah, effectively. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. A su- complete I, I was going to say that was the name of one of the, of the books. books yeah, isn't it? Supermodel, the, tra- yeah. The, uh, the tragedy of the pre of a pre athlete supermodel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it definitely is a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. But, but but um, yeah, and and, and almost uh, she sort of dropped into it almost as you say. It took quite a lot of convincing to get get her to become a model in the first place. Yeah, which is probably the saddest thing. And then you know potentially it could have opened up a new avenue for yeah a new career as an artist because she's got. Yeah, you've got a huge art critic on the side. Yeah, you've got this in with the pre-Raphaelites yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, but you know you still got this underneath it all this kind of massive sadness and massive well, yeah. on increasing addiction to laudanum to mask and sort of pain, yes. the pain that your relationship's having. Really. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite a, it's quite just really sad. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's just sad. It's a really dark episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, tragic, but um, tragic, but it shows you know clear woman of talent that we just never realised yeah yeah ways. I think uh, yeah it, it, it's sort of a and, and, and also um, yeah I mean uh, whether she whether she got what she wanted out of her life as well which is yeah, you have to hope at some point so she she did yeah you know, there were highs in there you know being Ophelia 
yeah. having the... Well, yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether she would know that she would ever be this kind of massively famous after... after well, it was a well... Death, but yeah. It was a big painting at the time, I think. Oh, really? Okay. I think, yeah. Um, but I think, you know... I, they yeah. might, I, mean, I like to hope that she would have yeah. in that in like bits so. of her life at least yeah because you know it would just be too horrific to <laughs> yeah, otherwise yeah yeah imagine so, otherwise yeah. um and equally you know she had a talent that she was at least being able to bring, yeah. bring out slightly in her art yeah you know be able to start bringing out which is must have given her pleasure hopefully yeah i feel really sad now. yeah yeah well i'm not surprised <laughs> I feel really sad it, it was it's a sad story i mean yeah. this is this is probably the saddest story we've had on footnotes of history it is um, no, we should probably shouldn't be recording at half ten at night, but well, I this mean, is probably yeah, it was, what's making us more sad. But. Yeah, well, plus also the um, <laughs> yeah the uh, the gin and tonic we had at the yeah. guard house. It's just a but single. Yeah. It's just a single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, didn't, well, all, but um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, push her over the edge. Um, I guess we should pretty pretty wrap up that yeah, before and, we um, just get to make some yeah. last summary comments. I suppose. Yeah, I think yeah we said it. She was a tragic, su- a tra- tragic, tragic supermodel, yeah. basically type figure who if she had had the right support in place yeah. could have forged her own path as an artist could have yeah. basically you know blazer travel people to follow yeah but it's one of the just really sad moments that yeah she was in a relationship that clearly meant a lot but also was incredibly destructive destructive at the same yeah. time yeah and, you know, and i think you're one of being basically being you know rock star well, supermodel she, of she, our the thing the thing is the thing is right so she 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 bucked the norms of her time yeah but <laughs> i don't feel you know, I'm, I'm, apart from the art that obviously is a benefit for us to to look at and to see, uh, and also obviously the Rossetti's art, which is which wouldn't have happened without her, mm. um, or would it? Um, sorry, I hope a serious question. I mean, because he painted everybody, didn't he? But I suppose yeah, she but was the key muse. Yeah, uh, she and was obviously like kept just belting out. even yeah, after her death. She's so passionate about. Yeah, so maybe that is that. maybe that is the case then. Yeah. So without her, you wouldn't have Rossetti's art. Um, uh, but you know, didn't really. I still didn't feel like it really worked out for her. You know? No, it definitely didn't. I mean, she was um, 30, 33 so, when she died. Yeah, she um, clearly wasn't in a good place when she didn't died. Didn't have any children. Uh, married for like two years before, uh, three years before she died. Two years before she died, rather. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a very sad story, really. Yeah. I think we'll probably probably end it there. On a happier note, <laughs> I thought of a very good um, for when there's a film of this. Yeah, for a very good casting. Aidan Turner as Rossetti. He's already played him in Desperate Romantics. Okay. So he played him well there. Yeah. And then Eleanor Tomlinson, who plays Demelza in Poldark as Elizabeth Siddle. Yeah. She has bright red hair. Seems quite tall. Yeah. I think a very good role for her. And obviously they played a couple in that. So I think they should just play, just get them to be in a film version of it. Okay. I would watch it. I'm not sure if anyone else would. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they <laughs> Well, I think we would have to because obviously when we'd review it. So. Yeah, and also we basically created it right here. So. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we would, we would be in the credits. So that's yeah. true. Basically, executive producers, yeah, directors, writers. We yeah. could be some of the pre-flights. Yeah, well. in fact, actually, we probably should be in the film. Yeah, that's the thing. We could be the pre-flights. Yeah. You could be. Ruskin. I would be the pre You could be Ruskin. Ruskin. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I would obviously be like. Uh... You could have a walk-on which one past Henry Tate. I was going to say, well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine by me. Yeah, just walk in the van with that yeah. sugar pouring out of your yeah, pocket. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm just going to drop sugar everywhere. Yeah, anyway, yeah, okay, this episode is coming to an end. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Footnote History. If you want more, you can follow our social media posts on at FOH Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Plus, have you ever wondered what kind of statesman you would be back in the 19th century? Well, now you can find out. 
visit the Footnotes of History personality quiz at footnotesofhistory.com slash pmquiz.